years ago, I remember sitting with John and I was seeking his counsel regarding a young man that I was trying to walk with and help through some really deep, dark challenges. And I'll never forget when John said, when I sit down with a person, when I sit down with a man particularly, one of the questions I'm holding in my heart as I'm encountering them is this, Adam, where are you? Or if it's a woman, the question would be Eve, where are you? And what he was giving visibility to that day is the reality that is so central to know and to seek after as we relate to people in our world and as we relate to ourselves. And it's the reality that the deepest nature of a person is not their sin nature, but the deepest nature of the human being is that we are created in the image of God. Friends, this is Morgan Snyder, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. We're going through a series that's featuring much of the content and the heart of the Become Good Soil intensive. We're picking up with episode two from a session from the most recent Become Good Soil intensive that's never before been released. And in this session, we wrestle with this idea of who is the person that we are encountering when we encounter another, or even more intimately said, who do we see when we look in the mirror? What is the self that we are relating from? And if we explore the scriptures deeply, we will see as Paul lays out in Romans 6 and 7, there is a civil war of sorts inside the soul of every human being. There's the true self, the imago Dei, the person that God meant when he meant us. And there also is the false self. There's this other person that we, over a life in a fallen world, come to form and forge. And that person is very self-protective in their nature. It's a person that hides from shame and fear and has learned to create a way of relating to the world that is self-protective in nature and keeps us from union with God and real genuine connection with other human beings. And even more importantly, it keeps us from connection with our own self. And in this session, we're going to explore deeper. How do we gain visibility of the true self and the false self? How do we become aware of it? How do we begin to disentangle it and then dismantle it and see that the false self is put to death and the true self is resurrected? So friends, thank you for tuning in and let's go into the next episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. Paul says this wild thing in a letter written from a prison from a guy that's being persecuted in a jail. It's all about joy. Like, first of all, like, what do you do with that? The happiest guy I know, other than Jesus, most of his writings are from a jail cell, and at the end he's like, by the way, send a jacket, because I'm just cold. Like, and the joy. And you have to get through religiosity, the, the religious veil, right? Um, 
John Nenhauser says, religion's like a treadmill. You just work really hard, spend a lot of energy, but you don't get anywhere. You don't get anywhere. You have to take the veil off. And he says this. Um, he says, I've learned something. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances. He says, to be honest, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Let's try this on for a minute. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He's discovered, he's learned, he's trained in a secret. Um, Alex, if you could put that verse up. I I really appreciate uh, Richard Rohr's translation of this. He says, now that I've gone through my initiation, I am ready for anything, anywhere. What, what would it be like? What would it be like for your soul to really know this? Like when you wake up in the morning, and last night, whatever was popping in your world back at home, and the things on fire, say, you know what? I, I've been through something, a process. And now I can say that I'm ready for anything, anywhere. And what I, what I want to name today in the session of Becoming True is this is not about um, success or accomplishment. This is not about getting it together. The secret, his initiation, is into union with God in his true self, abandon, abandoning and dismantling his false so, so it's not, oh, Paul, he's, he's badass. Like, no, no, no. He, he's saying, actually, it, it's amazing. Um, we'll get to it a little later, but he describes, ah, so excited. Boy. <laughs> so he's saying, it's not because I figured it out. He said, no, I count that all as rubbish. I mean, if you look at the Greek, Greek I mean, Louis says, I count all my achievements a pile of shit. You look it up. Yeah. <laughs> I count all that stuff. The self-life, all my accomplishments, my pedigree, because I've become true, and true is integrity of self, the integrity of soul, and union with God. The true self is never apart from union with God. His life moved to a moment-by-moment partnership with God. And I just felt like Spirit said, give this example, because I know yesterday was unsettling, there's lots of questions, and man, what do I do with my job, do you saying don't build a career and all that? And it's all about motive. It's all about motive. The externals will solve themselves. But I want to give an example of a very practical graph of just the first one, Alex. So here's, here's my income, okay? I'm 25, I'm 30, I'm 35, 40, and it's going slightly up with, with inflation, okay? Um, right or not, right? But there's a happy graph, right? It's going up. It's going up, Johan, right. Here's the point, okay? It, it is what it is. And I, I, I can mostly not control that, okay? But that's just kind of a fact of my story. Now, let me show you the most critical graph. This is the graph of my wealth. Dave Ramsey says, wealth is what you have that can't be bought. And so I remember when I got my first like real paycheck, I had this retirement thing and social security. And as an entrepreneur, I was partly disappointed. 
But as a broke guy, I was like, dang, I got some cash in the bank. I think it was like, oh man, I forget the number, but it was, it felt enormous. I'm like, what am I gonna do with all this money? And then next two weeks, it comes again. Like, and for a little, little moment, I felt really wealthy. And then she came. And, and then I got a mortgage, and very quickly, it didn't matter what my income was. I was, I was scarcity. I was impoverished. It was not, never enough. It was never enough. And then came sonship, and then came training, and then came understanding that I'm being pursued by love. Understand that there's someone stronger than me that's orchestrating a story. Understanding I have treasures. I'm learning things and becoming content little by little, by day and by decade. Learning um, to know I can face anything, anywhere. Not yet, but more than I did. And then it surpassed it. And then with, here's the important thing of this becomes irrelevant. Not unimportant, but it pales into comparison of the wealth that comes by being a son, a student, an <coughs> apprentice. So it's not that your job isn't important, your career, your gifting, are you kidding? But it shrinks as our context of being sons and students of his kingdom expands. And so this is an exercise in your book, but what is your graph? Draw it. Just be honest. No one has to look, but draw it at some point. Um, what, what's your wealth graph? So I, my hope is this weekend in this session, we can wrestle with this idea of um, what is the journey we must take to be able to say, I have learned, I've become the kind of person that can face anything, anywhere, because I've been initiated from my false man to my true. Father, you are faithful guide. You're faithful in guiding us. Therefore, I will lack nothing. You make me lie down in pastures that are lush and abundant with nourishment. You find quiet waters and you lead me beside them. You alone, Father, you alone, Father, can restore my soul. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I choose to fear not evil. I trust you are with me. I trust that you comfort, you protect. Father, you are the one through Jesus and by the leadership of your spirit that prepares a feast, a feast before me in the presence of my every enemy. You anoint my head with oil of gladness. Father, I say my cup overflows. I trust, I count on and expect that your goodness and love will chase after me on this day. I choose to come into you and under connection and care with you. Amen. Where are you, Adam? Where are you? I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. It's the centerpiece of every one of our stories. <coughs> I had union with the Father. I knew Him. I knew I was strong and true, and I was being initiated and matured into oneness. And then I chose Eve over God, and I got really scared. And I felt um, unworthy and afraid. And so I hid from God. I didn't trust the Father's heart anymore. And so begins the formation 
of every one of our false selves, the two words at the core, identity and validation. Okay, so yeah, I, I, this is not new, but I want, my hope is that it can become so daily and so moment by moment that you become fully aware of how this is operating in your life so that we can take together the journey from the false man to the true. Identity and validation, this is all in your notebook, so you, you don't need to write any of this down. Uh, but at the seat of the masculine soul it, are these questions. Who am I? And do I have what it takes? And they're seated in the place of identity and validation. Before the fall, where we were meant to form our view of reality, the answer to these questions was intended to be, you are. You are a son. You are a man. You actually don't need a purple pill. You, you have what it takes. You can face anything, anywhere. You are. And you do. You do. You are and you do. But here's what happens, you guys. Because of the fall, we all inherit Adam's sin. And we live that story out in our personal life because of the schemes of the enemy and the enemy within, the false self. The answer becomes you aren't and you can't. And so shame and fear become the centerpiece of our identity. And if each of us could pause and really excavate our story to its depths, we would find the root of shame, which is, I'm not. Whatever feels like death. Shame is hard to get to because it's so deep, but I feel like death when. I feel bad when. That's the best way to kind of name it. In fear, I, I simply can't. And so this is the core of, of the false man. And the masculine journey is a journey from becoming aware of this man, naming him, being familiar with him, and then putting him to death so that the new man can be reborn and restored, integrated and made in union with God. That's the masculine journey. As I mentioned last night, the brilliance of this decade of life is that the poser, the false self, becomes less and less efficient to produce life. See, in your 20s, you can fake it, and you can work that thing like magic and because you can live sloppy and you have these um, false kind of margins. And then life comes pressuring. And then, um, God forbid you marry a woman, you can't hide anymore. She sees you, right? I, I get to be a hero sometimes in my public world. And then I come home just exhausted or angry. Sherry said, I have this habit of just moving the children and her through the house with my eyes. Just, <laughs> I don't understand that. But she said, you're moving us through the house again with your eyes. And oh, it's so convicting because that's the one place I can't hide. But this decade exposes, I, I want to be true. I want to be true. I want to go through my initiation. And there were things I could have gotten uh, when I was young, that didn't happen. But God is always restoring what was missed and lost. You're always on time in God's kingdom. You're always on time in God's kingdom. And so this decade, in some ways, is the last great hour. Because then, what happens when we face that failure for our faults to produce life, we come to a crossroads and most men, 99% of men, choose to make life work. So they kill their heart. Okay, that's where the masculine soul dies. And they just medicate and they settle for happy little life, arranging for a life where they can maximize security and comfort and require 
no change internally. Look at the kings over the kingdoms that you know and how much of it's just manage, control, and the illusion of safety, all trying to avoid faith, uh, fear and shame. <coughs> the other alternative is a death. It's a death of a false man and a passing through a process. So what is that process like for you? What is God up to and who is the false and who is the true? Uh, I, my hope is that you can become very, very articulate at understanding your false self and understanding this enemy within. And then from that place, you can come to know the true man. So I want to name a few things. There are a couple pages in your book that um, 27, 28, and 29 that are some of the most critical pages um, of, of this decade. If you can understand these pages, they will set you on pilgrimage to life as it was meant to live. Um, I, I want to name the truth. Uh, well, I want to start with page 29. If you can put that image up of masculine heart. So here's what's important. At the intensive, I'm really careful not to get lost in semantics and because there's all kinds of backgrounds. There's fantastic Catholic uh, priests that teach amazing on this and Presbyterians and, and uh, Church of Christ. Like it, it comes from all over the kingdom and different people use different words. What I want to get to is simply essence and not get lost. So I try to kind of bring it all into big ideas that hopefully entice and disrupt us into the kingdom. So I want to give you kind of the central idea is you have a masculine heart. This is a Mago day. Right, the image of God, this, 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 as a man, in this white stone that He's made you, you know, um, unique. Ephesians two ten, this masterpiece of God's work since before you were in the womb. That's who you are. It, it, it's who you are, and you cannot step out of that person. The image of God in you. That heart is at every moment of every day being expressed through either the true self or the false self. And this will really help to draw the distinctions of who is the true man and who is the false. It's always this core goodness, core image of God, unique expression, and it's always being expressed in the true and the false. So let me then describe a little distinction. Um, you don't have to turn to it. You can do it later. I just want to take you in a few words, but page 20. Seven is a list, and, and this is a, a dynamic list, but it's just a rough list of uh, words that associate ideas with the true self and the false self. So the, the true man, his center of gravity is God, whereas the false man, his center of gravity is his self. And, and, and here's where you know this, is the, the false self is always um, lending towards exhaustion. Never enough. It's always one more day. One more dollar, one more name it, come through. Never enough. It's like a bicycle wheel, Thomas Keating said. As long as it's spinning, it's in balance, and the moment it stops spinning, it gets pretty wobbly. You've seen that image before. The center of gravity of the true self is God. It's at rest. It's always at rest. The energy of the false self is self. Whatever man builds, man must sustain. But the true self, whatever God builds, God sustains, supplies all the energy. The false is up to me. 
And the true is God chasing after me, being pursued by love. The false is a world that we architect from the outside in to try to feel good. And the true self is a man being transformed from the inside out, a revolution of heart that invades our world like yeast. So there are two men in us. And this is what, it's just amazing. Jesus is teaching on this. When you think of false and true, you will begin to understand the scriptures so much better. Jesus says in Luke, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own life, he cannot be his apprentice. You understand when when you know the false and the true, that begins to make sense. Jesus is saying, "If, if anyone tries to come to me but doesn't hate the false, you simply can't be my student. It's not condemning. It's saying that that doesn't work. You can't have both the self life and the life of an apprentice. Jesus says, for who, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but forever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so what is your false self? It, it, it's very sophisticated. It's very sophisticated. It's very mature. You've worked long and hard on this guy. He's an expert, okay? He has fierce mastery of his world. Seemingly, okay? So he's elaborate and he's self-protective. So the number one energy of the false self is to self-protect, to avoid pain, to avoid shame, to avoid fear. So it's what we do. So how do you avoid pain? How do you avoid fear? And how do you make life work apart from God? Those questions will help take you into who is this false man we have to get in touch with him because most people are unaware. We are unaware. But the deal is the false is very reactive. He's habitual and pre-programmed. It's like a computer program, like when you boot it up, it just does its deal. The false self knows what he's going to do. Sherry knows what I'm going to say when she says, hey, we, I got this 200 extra bucks. I was thinking about putting it in your hunting fund. What do you think about that? She knows what I'm going to say. It's programmed. There's no thinking. It's habitual. It's reactive. And it's void of God. It has, it's godless. It's from hell. There's nothing to do with God. Sherry's parents coming next week. God, what do you think of that? A little extra money in my hunting fund. Father, is that from you? Or let me give it to her to buy more stretchy pants. Okay, the false self is reactive. The true self is responsive. The true self has a pause. See, the the false self is always ready to punch back. It's always ready to throw that thing you say and that line you have and that I'm the quiet guy. I'm the whatever the I'm the something something guy. It's what I do. That's all the false. The true, he has a pause. He has a huh. He has an inquisitiveness. See, Jesus, this is so key. He transcended his personality. He transcended his personality. He's fierce when it needs to be fierce and engages when God says, turn the tables. And then there's other times where he walks away and says, yeah, I'm not not actually going to pick a fight. Uh, There's times where he offers compassion and moves towards someone that no one else will get near. And then there's times where he bails and he says, you know what? You know what? 
tomorrow's problems will take care of themselves. They'll always be the same. I'm, I'm going to the hills. I'm going to be with God. I'm going to play. I'm going to be with my dad. I'm out. He leaves it undone, and he's perfectly comfortable with himself. Dallas said if he could use one word to describe Jesus, he would say that he was relaxed. Isn't that cool? Relax. Not that he wasn't passionate at moments, subdued at others, but in all of it, he was comfortable with himself. And the, other, the next word I would use humbly, if I describe the Jesus I've come to know, is he is lovingly unpredictable. I literally am uncomfortable by the fact that I don't know what Jesus would do in most situations. But I am totally predictable. Oh, Alex knows me. He knows what I'm going to say at this moment. And he knows what to expect when he, the day before retreat, the day after retreat. And he, right? That's all habituated response that's void of God. And so what are your habitual responses? And when you try to move in the opposite energy, your false self freaks out. So if you want to get to know this guy, just don't do that thing you do. Or do the thing you don't do. And you will be freaking out. Okay? It's a treasure hunt. Okay? And so the best way to practice, to experiment, to be apprentice is do the other thing. And then deal with what gets raised. Paul, um, to understand Paul's life, um, we have to come to understand, he's the most sophisticated understanding of the false and true man. Romans 7 is this famous, infamous passage about, is the heart good? Is it deceitfully wicked? Do we get a new heart? And there's all these church debates about, well, what is it? Is our heart good or is it evil? Because the passage is contradictory. If we don't see that Paul is describing a civil war, he's describing a civil war. So Paul, I mean, he, he has this pedigree that's unstoppable. He is the, the Jew of all Jews. He's, he crushes it. He crushes people. He drug women out, literally, the scripture says, by the hair, persecuting people who walk with God. And then he has this conversion, right? He, had, he has salvation. Jesus shows up. And for three days, Paul, this heroic man, can't talk or can't see. You imagine, just imagine what it's like. For three days, he goes blind. And this king of kings... Is, is rendered powerless. And, and he has this conversion. But what I, I never hear, I've never heard a teaching on is the next 14 years, Paul vanishes. <clears throat> he goes off the scene. He doesn't go and do his public ministry and he's gone. Because now becomes the process. Now is the 14 years of what do I do? Yes, converted. Yes, Jesus lives in my heart. But I'm not integrated, and there's parts of me that hate God, and there's parts of me that hate Christians. There's parts of me that are terrified, and I don't know even what I don't know. And he has to re-architect his whole life. And so 14 years later, Paul then returns, okay? And on page 28, you'll find this passage, which I want to go into uh, on your own. But what I've done is gone through the passage, and in every place where Paul is making the distinction of the false self, I've put in the false self. And then the true self, I've put in the true self. And so you get to see Paul describing 
this civil war. So though he's a man saying, I struggle, he's actually showing brilliant maturity because he's aware, far more than we are, of his faults. My counselor, Gary, he was 77, and he said, with near 100% clarity, he can tell you when he's operating in his false self or his true self. He can't necessarily operate in his true self. He's walking in the flesh all the time, but he knows when he is. He knows when he isn't. Most of us are completely unaware, and largely our response, even in our Christian life, is out of the false, okay? And so I, I want to offer 28 as a meditation for you guys to go into, and, and where Paul says, um, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's a, he, he, I don't want to go into it now. I want you to have it to, to process in one of your times with God. But there is a journey that God is inviting us to die. And it's the central story of all the great stories. You think of the films you love. My favorite film of all times is Dances with Wolves, where you have John Dunbar that's a warrior and a soldier, but he's, he's in this American army that he, he, he can't find who he is, and there's this brilliant moment. You don't know if it was courage or suicide. It's kind of both, and then he goes west, and there's a man that must die. And then he becomes Dances with Wolves, and he becomes that same warrior. And it's been said by mentors, the journey to the true self is a long journey where we actually return home and know it for the first time. And so he comes home. Last Samurai, you see you know, uh, Lieutenant Algren, who is a warrior with deep trauma, and he just turns to the bottle, and then he goes through this total death. And then restoration into life. I mean, Kung Fu Panda. What's that with your kids? It's in all the yeah. great stories. A man must die. I remember being in the counselor's office with, with the colonel and, and saying, Gary, like, I want to die. But it's not suicide. There's a man in me that needs to die. And there's this other guy that wants to live. And... That was the beginning of the restoration of my true. And so what is your masculine heart? How is it being expressed in the true <coughs> self and the false self? I mean, as you guys know, probably, I'm very intense. Um, I, that worked for me all my life until I met God. And, um, and then I realized I hated my intensity because it caught me in a lot of trouble, right? My false self was no longer working for me. And I repented for a long time of my intensity. And uh, it doesn't work to repent from the image of God in you. That's just not a real effective strategy. So try as I might, I, I couldn't get rid of that. But what I realized was my intensity is the image of God and it was in the service of the false. So it just lead me to exhaustion because my intensity would be in the service of answering the question was never enough. But now as I've been more healed, more integrated, my intensity is more harnessed and there's times that I use it and then there's times that I can play and there's times that I can rest and there's times that I can dial it down and it doesn't have to be a 10, it can be a two. And now my intensity is freer to be in the service of love and now I'm getting it back, but I had to leave it for a time. Every one of us, this is so critical, in our masculine journey for a time, must leave our gifting. 
we have to come to know who we are apart from our gifting so that our gifting can be in the service of love. Otherwise, it's not free. Paul just says it's a clanging symbol, clanging gong. So who is your false and who is your true? And what is the process that God is taking us through? Father, I pray that you would catch my heart. You would catch my heart. Father, I long to understand, to have a revelation of how, how I've constructed a false man that protects me from pain, but also protects me from you. Father, I want to immerse myself in the reality of your heart and your kingdom. As you say in Matthew, here in this river, that you will take my old life and exchange it for a kingdom life. That you will ignite the kingdom life in my heart, a fire within me. The Holy Spirit will work within me to change me from the inside out. God, you alone have the power to cleanse and restore and rebuild. God, you place everything that is true in its proper place. In everything false, you burn with the trash, the scripture says. So God, I'm asking you to take residence in a deeper way into my masculine soul. But I want to be able to respond to you rather than reacting out of a habitual self. I want to be united with you and to know what it's like, what it's really, really like to live in you and have you breathe in me moment by moment, by day and by decade, your spirit living in me. I want to know what it's like to be alive to my true heart. God, I crucify this old do-it-yourself life. I crucify that man, the false. God, I... I long to give it a decent burial and get on with my new life. God, your spirit beckons me. You say there are things to do and places to go. So I receive your resurrection life. Would you breathe? Would you breathe resurrection into me? It comes from you, God, initiated by you. I want to cultivate practice and adventurous expectation to greet you with a childlike heart saying, what's next, Dad? What's next? I ask for your spirit to touch my spirit and to confirm who I truly am. Jesus, how would you lead me through this process in this decade of initiation where I can learn and grow in union with you, integrity of my masculine soul, healed, delivered, and restored, to be able to say, I have grown and become the kind of son and man that's ready to face anything, anywhere. I can do all things in you and with you. 
and through you who gives me life. Amen. Friends, we are together exploring some big ideas that as the dust settles, seem to orient us to the foundation of the exploration of what it would look like to consider giving ourselves to a decade, a decade of real, honest consideration of our interior life, of the person that we're becoming, so that one day we can become the kind of person that God can entrust with his kingdom. We're just scratching the surface with these big ideas, and there's so much more that you can explore. If the Spirit is moving you through this topic, there are uh, plenty of resources that we have at Ransomed Heart. I did a podcast, a two-part series on the styles of relating called Getting Naked. It is episode 14 and 15 in the Become Good Soil podcast series, where we really explore these styles of relating as expressions of the true self and false self even deeper. So you might want to check into that. But there are plenty of resources at becomegoodsoil.com where you can dive into more on this topic. And if you're intrigued and compelled and God's moving you, you may consider filling out an application for the Become Good Soil Intensive. The deadline for submitting the full and complete applications is October 12th for our upcoming May 2019 Intensive. We'd love to consider you for that event. And as always, we're grateful for your courage. We're grateful for your strength. And we're grateful that you are taking a risk to engage the deeper things. So thank you for joining me on this episode of the Become Good Soul podcast.